Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! That was the call of the game-winning touchdown pass to McCole Hardman. I think, you know, even Sabah, even Ben Standing could have made that throw. Even Brock Purdy could have made that throw. Um, thank you for all of your feedback on the Sabah uh, calls. Uh, we love Sabah. She comes with passion. You have to say that when she is on the air. Um, 
Ben Standings with us as he is every Monday and Friday at 12 noon as our Washington Commanders insider. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. Listen to his podcast at Standing Room only, uh, at The Athletic. It's totally worth it. I'm a subscriber. You should be as well. Um, ben, real quickly, because I had a really good caller right before you jumped on, Colin. Colin, great call, and I went up and looked at the Brian Burke um, uh, uh thread on the analytics regarding taking the ball or not taking the ball. My feeling in the moment last night was, because I've I've given this thought before, you defer in this situation. You defer because when you get the ball, which you're guaranteed to get the ball back with the new overtime rule, you know what you need. Do you need a field goal to win, field goal to tie? Do you need a touchdown to tie? Do you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to potentially win or lose? And really, the significant benefit, incremental benefit, comes from having a fourth down at your disposal. I had somebody tweet me and say, the first team with the ball has fourth down at their disposal. They do, but not out of necessity, out of choice. Uh, Fourth down out of necessity is completely different. Like if it's fourth and five and it's a tie score in overtime and you're at your own 22-yard line, you're punting. In this case, you get four downs with Patrick Mahomes to pick up 10 yards. But real quickly, Ben, before I get to Brian Burke's thread, what did you think in the moment when Kyle won the toss and took the ball in overtime? Uh, I definitely didn't think it was as big of a deal as everybody is kind of making it out to be – you know, you, you kind of know the the score in, in a realistic sense that you're going up against Mahomes, and you know that this is uh, the the deal. But I understand the, the the deferring and why that would be uh, the better way to go for that reason you're describing the fourth down aspect. You know, the understanding of what you need to do. And I guess Kansas City has been saying that their plan was, if needed, to get the touchdown and then go for two. That they weren't even going to uh, mess around with even more, but that's obviously something you do when you have, you know, when you already know what the other team has done. So, um, yeah, I, I get the delay, but I didn't think it was like as major a crisis as everybody's kind of making out to me. Yeah. And the odd possession possibility, meaning the team that takes the ball first has a chance to end up in a three possession overtime with one more possession than the opponent. That is not available in the college overtime rule. College teams defer automatically because you're guaranteed to have the same number of possessions as the opponent. Um, And then you know what you need when you take over at the 25-yard line. And again, you've got fourth down at your disposal out of necessity if you needed it. So this guy, Brian Burke from ESPN, a big analytics guy, basically, I'm not going to read the whole thread because it's lengthy, but he basically said that he's run lots of simulations of this. Remember, this is the first overtime game um, in, uh, in in the Super Bowl with these new rules where you're guaranteed to get the ball for the second time. It's only the second time we've ever gone to overtime in a Super Bowl. Um, and so it was clearly highlighted, spotlighted last night. But the overall advantage analytically based on his many simulations is that there is a 50.29% advantage to taking the ball as teams either punt with no score, score, and then they get it back with any score being able to end the game. Now, if a team were to go for two 
on their first possession as a second possession holder, that pushes the overall analytic advantage down to 50.19%. So basically, analytically, it's a coin flip. I didn't think of it that way. I'll, I'll be truthful. I thought of it as you want to know what you need to do when you get the ball back and you want to have the advantage of having a fourth down at a necessity if you need it. To me, that is a big strategic advantage. I would have deferred. Um, the only reason I thought I wouldn't defer is not thinking about a third possession in overtime, uh, but thinking about my the state of the game, the context of the game. Is my defense completely gassed at this point? Am I putting them right back out onto the field where they ended regulation and is at a disadvantage defensively in the first drive? And that would perhaps change on the context a little bit because there's always context around the numbers. And I think some of the numbers people never include that. Many of them do. Anyway, Ben Standings with us. Okay. Um, give me your overall thoughts on the game. I'm, I haven't heard uh, what, what you or others have said yet. So uh, I don't know if I'm repeating, er, repeating everybody, but it doesn't matter. Know, pretty... We have a new audience every 20 minutes. <laughs> well, a bit of a snooze fest early on. I mean, obviously the defenses were very good, but from an offensive perspective, you know, nothing particularly exciting, uh, but then it really you know, picked up late as the Chiefs, you know, finally got some, oh, I say finally got some breaks, but got some breaks, got some momentum, and, uh, you know, things kind of went back and forth from there. I think that the Niners, look, obviously they had the lead pretty much throughout the game, therefore, you know, they kind of blew it, but I think they blew it in the first half. Like, they you know, I'm not saying they were like playing at some incredibly dominant level, but they certainly had much more going on positively than the Chiefs did. Um, you know, they, they were able to move the ball, but then with an early turnover and some penalties cost them the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes, I don't recall seeing him look that uncomfortable for that long as he did in that first half and maybe a little bit into the to, to the second half. But, you know, eventually they're going to figure it out, which they did. So I kind of feel like the Niners, sort of blew it uh, when they just didn't tack on enough points early on when they did have it going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have all these debates about who's the best and this and that. When you have a guy on your team that you know if he's given the ball in clutch time is going to beat you, that is that is the definition of, like, the GOAT or, you know, the, the being in the discussion for that because not everybody is going to do that, even best players – in big moments, don't come up big. And Mahomes, over and over and over again, it's just, you know, it's inevitable. Um, you know, maybe Kyle thought, hey, if we score first in overtime, somehow they'll forget that the rules will change and he'll be out uh, because you don't want him having the ball with your uh, fate uh, attached to it. And sure enough, I mean, Mahomes is just too good. And, uh, you know, once again, the Niners, you know, blow leads come up short, or, or I should say teams with Kyle Shanahan, uh, calling the offense or running the whole team. So tough beat for them. But, you know, the Chiefs, I mean, the Rudy Tom Donovich line, you know, never underestimate the heart of a champion. I think that st stuff like that gets oversaid. I don't think it gets oversaid in this case. Yeah, I you you, um, you pretty much echoed a lot of what I said. I think the first half, they'll rue the, the first half opportunities. They were the better team the 49ers were. They were dominant at the line of scrimmage, it seemed like, for much of the first half. And, you know, a fumble, two penalties back-to-back -back by Trent Williams. 
Um, and, uh, you know, quite honestly, Kyle Shanahan blew it at the end of the first half. He should have called a timeout on defense. He would have had, you know, 50-plus seconds to, you know, after the field goal um, that made it 10-3 to to do something on offense, so he lost a possession there. Um, it was all kind of self-inflicted. Look, the Chiefs were kind of making errors too. I mean, five penalties for 53 yards. They had, you know, a Pacheco red zone turnover. Um, it was funny because – I think a lot of people got to halftime, and I felt the same way. It's like, now, I was excited because I had the under, and I had the under in the first half. So I was like, this is exactly the kind of game I like. Um, But it was kind of meh in the first half. But even the mistakes, like the two turnovers, to see McCaffrey fumble as they're just rumbling down the field, kind of shocking in the moment. To see Pacheco fumble as they were in the red zone getting ready to score, kind of shocking um, in the moment. Um, And the hitting from the beginning of that game was fierce. I thought both teams at the end looked like they had been through, you know, one of those wars of, of, of a game with the hitting and the speed and the, I mean, there were crunching tackles uh, in the game, but um, Mahomes, man, I mean, we're, you're, you're a big basketball guy I love it too and everybody comparing him to Jordan and we're living through kind of the Jordan era in football there are similarities in the way they both do it I mean there are like you know look obviously he has Travis Kelsey which is one of the you know best tight ends of all time look at the rest of the people around him this This isn't you know who what are we talking about here they have you know, look, I like Rushy Rice and, and, and Isaiah Pacheco runs hard, but, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, star players now or guys that were drafted in star player positions, you know, like are in roles. Uh, the, the, like he is doing it, uh, you know, insanely well with not that much to work with. The offensive line, you know, he's missing his Pro Bowl left guard. I think there were those, uh, at least in one of the spot where they're kind of short, uh, you know, I mean, they were getting, you know, blown up in that first half. I mean, the Niners, you said teams were playing, you know, hitting hard. I mean, the Niners' defense, especially in the first half, was looking really good. Obviously, we saw Chase Young get involved a couple times. Um, You know, it was looking like, oh, boy, the Niners realized they've been kind of asleep the last couple weeks, and here they come. And they did, and it still didn't matter. (laughs) Like, I mean, Mahomes was still – uh, getting by, you know, like I said, he looked pretty uncomfortable, I thought, in, in that first half. But, you know, he's never he never gets down. And, yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, to me, that is the, the ultimate separator from the really, really good players to the ones we put at the top of the, of the pyramid is the ability to stay the same, if not raise their game in the biggest spots. It's not always going to work out. Tom Brady didn't win every Super Bowl. I, I know Jordan won every finals, but, uh, you know, in general, it's, it's win or lose. They go out and they play at a very, very high level. You have to beat them. And that was what happened again last night, except the Niners, you know, fell, fell short of the ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, Mahomes, uh, you know, I think, I think it's fair. It's, it's not fair to say he's the greatest of all time because he just hasn't played enough relative to Brady and others, but it is fair to just say he is trending to be there, if not be the top. And that is, staggering comment in in and of itself it is uh he's 28 i mean you know we're in the midst of run i i they've got to upgrade you know with some of their skill position players 
this was the opportunity, as you described. I mean, what did he have around him on offense this year? Uh, he had a Travis Kelsey who really actually had issues. They had the most dropped passes of any team in the NFL. They were one of the most penalized teams in the NFL this year. You know, Andy Reid, before the game, I was watching one of those things with him, and I forget who it was with, but he just said, look, we, we just realized heading into the postseason – if we cut out the penalties and the drops, we're going to be, we're going to be, uh, you know, in position to do something. And he also said, and if number four comes along, as in Rasheed Rice, so even he recognized they didn't have a true wide receiver, a true number one. I mean, they got McCole Hardman midseason from the Jets, um, but yeah. So uh, look, uh, the Mahomes conversation, with the exception of a few people, including one of our callers. Um, is like an easy one to have. It, we're clearly watching one of, if not the greatest to ever do it. Uh, and the idea that Brady's seven Super Bowls was an untouchable doesn't seem so untouchable anymore. Um, and we're watching a guy in his prime who just did it with the worst offensive team he's played with since he's been in the league as a starter. And he's on a team right now. I think you can call, right, three and five years a dynasty. That's a dynasty. It's certainly a mini dynasty. Four trips, three wins in five years. Plus, I mean, they've made the AFC Championship game what six times in a row? Or six in like a that? row. So yeah, yeah. And the yeah, yeah. AFC, no, I, I think, the Super Bowl, they didn't go to. They lost in overtime. Yeah, I, I mean, here's here's where I'm at on this. The notion of like rival and peer can be, you know, it depends. It sometimes can be like sort of the eye of the beholder, or had it, or what's the timing. But like typically when we have these things, you know, Brady and Peyton Manning, I was always on the Brady side, but obviously that was a fierce discussion. And at times the Manning people certainly had their, their, their side, you know, Jordan wasn't always viewed as the goat in part because, you know, magic and bird and, and, you know, that he had to get past that situation and whatever we can go through this, you know, tennis, you know, Everett and Everett Zalova, Federer and Nadal, Djokovic, like all these things. I don't think Mahomes has a peer. I, I don't think there's another person. Like, we, like, I really like Joe Burrow, and if he stays healthy, I kind of think he's the second guy. But, you know, uh, it's not it's not a debate now. We can just say Josh Allen. But, you know, Mahomes, I know it's not an individual sport, but Mahomes wins that battle every single time. Yeah, it's I don't not, think anybody's it's, real. It's just not a debate. Now, nobody's, saying, he, he, you know, nobody's saying Allen is the best quarterback in the league in all seriousness. And, and, and that, I had a pretty rare time to be, you know, to, to have it where it's, for the moment, forget the all-time. There is just nobody else to debate. And this, again, this, you know, as fantasy football owners know, this was not like some vintage Mahomes season by any stretch. Like, I, you know, he was getting benched in leagues. I know that's not relevant to the point, but it's not like this was like some, they just had their offense clicking all year. This was the gritty. They had to find ways to win and did so in the, in the, in the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny because, when you got into the third quarter and it had been basically five quarters of football where the Chiefs had done nothing offensively going back, you know, they, they scored in their first two drives against Baltimore and then that was it. You know, they went three quarters and the first, you know, two and a half without a touchdown. And then they got the touchdown based off of a botched punt return. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, Mahomes – he doesn't have a lot of help, understood, but he's rattled, he's off. 
And then, you know, it didn't matter because when they absolutely had to have every big third down, every fourth down, every big play, he made them for the final hour, hour, 20 minutes of that game. And it was just incredible um, to watch. Um, I think another conversation coming out of this game is about Kyle Shanahan and the fact that he's had this sort of, you know, quasi-genius label offensively attached to him. He's now part of three Super Bowls in which there were 10-point or greater leads lost. OC, you know, with Dan Quinn in Atlanta uh, when they lost the 28-3 lead. Head coach against the Chiefs twice with a 10-point lead. Um, And is it crazy to think that he's a really, really good coach – but for whatever reason, can't win the really, really big one. Um, you sure? I mean, look, until proven otherwise. I mean, I think in his case, you know, the genius label and the look, if we watch him and, you know, sort of interpret his body action, you know, there's a bit of a, yeah, I know I'm really good vibe to him as well. And I think that makes oh, yeah. the, uh, that makes the, uh, the, the hammering on him even, you know, come down even harder. Uh, so there's definitely some of that. And uh, look, you know, I don't know. I mean, like McCaffrey kind of went to be an afterthought in the second half. He was, he had eight carries for 28 yards. Um, he, he still finished 80, 80 receiving, 80 rushing for the first time all year. Um, so, you know, the, I guess my point is that like, they just couldn't quite get him the ball enough in that one stretch. And, you know, Debo, they tried. He got 11 targets, only three receptions, though. You know, it felt like that was sort of the, the missing piece for them. They just, other than McCaffrey, just could never quite get anybody else. Kittle, only two catches, I think, for like four yards or something. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he could have really done in this game. I mean, Brock Purdy played pretty well throughout. I thought he, he was not, you know, uh, he did not look like a guy who only, was only in his second year, especially in the, as the game kept getting uh, tighter. You know, I'm sure there's specific things that people will pick apart and say could have done better. I just think, like I said, that first half, they just that was their time to shine. You have to know Mahomes is going to rally, and they just could not get enough separation when things were going their way. And after that, you know, again, I, I, I think everybody's overblowing the, the overtime call. And then from there, you know, what, look, what's he going to do? Jake, you know, the kicker misses the extra point if he doesn't miss it then, you know, this game is completely on a different, you know, trajectory because now the Niners are at four instead of three. Is that on him? You know, no. But, yeah, there's something to be said for this for that fact that they keep uh, they keep coming, coming up short, and it's going to be his tag for a long time now until until he does. Yeah, this guy Justin just sent me this, and I, saw, um, and I appreciate that, that, you know, Purdy definitely – was okay versus the blitz until it got to third down. And that's kind of what I've emphasized throughout the show is that I thought that Spagnolo really confused him on third down with the pressure. He was two for six on third down, and they just missed. And look, that's a veteran, outstanding, big-game defensive coordinator who's done it to many others, and this is a second-year quarterback. I want to emphasize, I thought Purdy was fine in the game. Uh, He was not Mahomes um, because he didn't do what Mahomes did. Um, But 
Uh, he was overall two for six on third down when blitzed, and there were a couple of blitzes where he just clearly didn't see it, and they were big ones that would have kept him on the field. Like they had a chance at the end of regulation. That was the biggest play of the game for the 49ers before overtime in the third in the uh, third down decision, and that was the third and five at the KC 35 at the two-minute warning. You complete a pass, you convert a first down, and you're in position to walk off with a field goal. Um, the Chiefs have two timeouts, one more first down, and you walk off with a field goal in that game. Um, and then, I don't know, one thing, Denton, we haven't talked about, and I'll talk about it with Ben. On the fourth and fourth, the Kansas City 9, I think it was an analytic toss-up, I think maybe a slight advantage to go for it in overtime in the tie game at, at, at 19-19. They took the 27-yard field goal. I felt like field goal was the right decision there in context I just think that Purdy wasn't seeing what Spagnuolo was really dialing up too much of the time and a fourth and four coming away with no score even though Casey ends up with poor field position I mean he had just driven the ball down the field for a field goal uh at the end of regulation look their last their last possessions went field goal touchdown field goal uh field goal touchdown for the Chiefs um Fourth and four, overtime, Kansas City nine-yard line. Did they do the right thing by kicking the field goal? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have a <clears throat> have an issue with it. You know, every time we have these conversations about the analytics, say X, Y, or Z, you know, the analytics doesn't know context. It doesn't know that, you know, like what you just said. Like I, I think Brock Purdy was totally fine, but you have to recognize he is still a second-year guy who has not faced this. And the Chiefs have their defense. I mean, we haven't even really discussed them. You know, their defense was just tremendous again. Their defense is what, is, what gave them this title. Yeah. I know Mahomes gets MVP, and that's just going to be the way it is with the quarterback. But their defense was just spectacular throughout these playoffs. And they did face, you know, um, really good you know, teams, uh, offensive teams throughout, and they just completely stifled them. Uh, and, uh, you know, here, you know, like I said, I think San Fran did what they needed to do in the first half. And was pretty efficient moving the ball, except for getting touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, I, I had no issue with the field goal from that perspective. And look, you have, you know, you're the Niners. You have a really, really good defense. This isn't like, you know, the Commanders with the defense that they had this year, where you're saying we got to kind of go for it, uh, you know, and put this thing away as best we can. So no, I, I don't have, I didn't have an issue with with that. Like I said, I don't know if I had much of an issue with San Fran on a lot of things. I just think Mahomes is. Mahomes and their defense the defense was just great again, and they needed to do a little bit more, and they didn't. All right. Uh, let's talk some Washington commanders with Ben Standig. Uh, there was a lot of activity over the weekend, as there always is, with respect to draft and free agency and big decisions with the other 30 teams that are not playing on Super Bowl Sunday. And we had the Ian Rappaport talking about Chicago needing a big haul to trade away number one. Wash uh, Garofolo reporting that, you know, they, they basically told Kingsbury, you'll have, you know, we're going to do our best to give you the choice of the quarterback that you want. Doug Williams saying nine out of 10, t- you know, taking a quarterback at number two. Um, just give me a sense before we get to sort sort of the 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 new coaches that have been hired. What you made of uh, the overall reporting over the weekend about Washington and number two? Yeah, I mean, not to be a buzzkill about any of this, but I don't think it makes. I don't, I, I don't really buy any of it. Uh, like 
I'm sure, like, because Caleb Williams is who he is, and so is Drake May, and maybe to a degree Jaden Daniels, but he was a late um, add-on to this, like, you know, top three conversation. I'm sure these teams have done plenty of homework on these guys. But we just went through this with, you know, with Ben Johnson. Like, I doubt that anything is definitive. Like, you're going to want to meet Caleb Williams in person, right? You're going to want to have different conversations. You're going to want to bring him in. Now, maybe it's still an overwhelming favorite, and maybe he's going to be the guy. And it feels like if I'm the Bears, that is the move to make <laughs> rather than keeping Justin Fields for a variety of reasons. But, I mean, is there a world where they, you know, say, hey, we kind of think Drake Mays as good or Jaden Daniels as good and, you know, we, we, we would actually wouldn't mind trading down, but it doesn't have to be the mother load because we want, you know, any, getting anything more than what we have now is a benefit, especially we still think we're getting a quarterback that's pretty good. And, you know, from Washington's perspective, I'm sure Williams is a very attractive prospect, but, you know, there's questions there as well as there would be with any prospect. And, again, May and Daniels are sitting right there without you having to do anything to trade up. So I, I don't buy that it's like, the done deal, even if it is the overwhelming uh, favorite part. And as for telling Cliff Kingsbury he can get whatever quarterback he wants, boy, I kind of hope that's not the case. Right? I mean, he's not the he's not the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. I wouldn't want him saying I can get whoever I want, and it's somebody you're not confident with, or that like you know you're gonna move heaven and earth to trade up to one. I would hope it's like, hey, here's here's the deal. We have this pick. We're going to figure this out. We're probably going to have a quarterback no matter what. And, you know, you know, you be the guy to come in. If they're, you know, I, I would be surprised if they're really going to move heaven and earth to, to make Cliff Kingsbury happy. But, you know, uh, again, at, at the end of the day, whatever that is, component is, you know, they've got to figure out who's the best quarterback option for them if that's the way they want to go and do the best they can to get that person. All right. At the beginning of the show, I, I updated everybody on the last time we talked, Larry Izzo. Um, in as uh, the special teams coach, um, the discussion of Tavita Pritchard staying, uh, Jason Simmons in, Randy Jordan gone. Give everybody what you've learned this morning and what's been reported this morning with respect to new coaching hires. Yeah, so the one that's an easy popular one, Ryan Kerrigan is staying on as a pass rush uh I think it's coordinator and linebackers coach, which was, I guess, a little more surprising on that point. But it was assistant linebacker coach. It's a not the end for whatever it's worth. Um, so Ryan Kerrigan stays. It seems like a no-brainer to keep around the guy who's the franchise all-time leader in sacks. who just got into the coaching game last year, so he is staying. Uh, new offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson. Uh, at first, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, you know what? Wh- whoever was to blame last year, Better than better to make changes where they get at, at a for a group where they gave up 65 sacks last year. Well, okay, but the guy they just hired was the O line coach for the Giants last year, and they gave up 85 <laughs> sacks. Uh, so that one's uh, you know it's not always about it's not like the coach was like complete you know it was all his fault, uh, but, but that is a little surprising that they would go that route. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's been around. He was also the Bills O-line coach before the Giants. So Tommy DeVito did take like 14 sacks in one game, didn't he? I'm I'm exaggerating, uh, but it was like 9 or 10. Yeah, well, I mean, like they had 20 more sacks than Washington allowed, and it felt like Washington was allowing one every third play. So right. um, that's crazy. Uh, and then, you know, accordingly, um, O-line coach Travell Wharton run game coordinator Juan Castillo, and also tight end coach Todd Storm, not expected to be back. 
um, you know, again, not obviously with the old line coach, they now have a new place there. And, um, you know, Storm was uh, was a full-time guy, but sort of a, an interim when uh, Pete Hainer retired and he took over. So more more to come. They still have to hire a bunch of other position coaches. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's where they are at, at right now. All right, great job. Appreciate it. I will talk to you uh, at some point this week, but definitely Friday on radio. Looking forward to it, man, as always. Uh, see ya. Ben Standing, everybody. We'll do some Denton news when we come back. All of our Super Bowl coverage on this Super Bowl Monday uh, brought to you by Solo Stove. Uh, feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.